Hi, I'm Richie Mackay. And I'm Daley Bolt, and you are listening to The Wrong Bias Podcast. On today's show, we have got Nicky Brett, who is the current world number one. We also have Alistair Hollis on the programme, and he is the Operation Service Manager for Bowls England. We also have our competition, sponsored by Alex Marshall Sports, as always. And this one is a, a real bumper competition, and I'll explain later on what prizes we've got on offer. And we'll be just having some general chat with Richie's Roundup, um, and catching up on a couple of emails. Well, mate, here we are, double figures, number 10, four months into it, um, all going swimmingly. Yeah, aluminium tin, is it? Tin of biscuits, tin of biscuits, yeah. mate, empty, empty tin at the minute for me. Now, I'm not I'm not going to say how stressful it is working with you, mate, but after our last recording, I ended up in hospital that night. I heard, I heard, yes, mate, I'll be sitting. Aye, kidney stone. So, uh, aye, well, that, was a, that was an interesting night. It went home after the podcast, lying watching a film, and an hour and a half later, I'm in the back of an ambulance, so that was that was. Good. Interesting time, and, and and I think obviously you've been worried that much. You've had the ten bob bits ever since. Both <laughs> been under the weather. So the we're pieces we're of your flocks. Little, little bit later doing the recording. <laughs> well, right, don't right. don't come in this room. I'm currently it's sitting infected. here with one of them dust masks on. <laughs> <laughs> Coronavirus. Never heard of it. <laughs> Anyway, um, the Disability Bowls England were up at Stanley, and I popped up, mate, and it was uh, yeah, it was very eye-opening right. um, to see the likes of Bob Love pushing them balls up the green. It was uh, tremendous, Fantastic. absolutely tremendous, and it was nice to see the Stanley Club get awarded the Disability Bowls mark. Yeah, we've been working on that with the club to get that and a, and a nice little bit of coverage on um, Look North. Look North, yes. As well. well done to Brian Harris, the club chairman, for all, he, all his work. He's never had no trouble up there, not not a single piece of trouble, has he? No, 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 everything's no. run smoothly, Brian. You've got a head of hair still, son. And a, a big shout out to Lee Smith, who's the Disability Balls England yeah. Northern Officer. He's, his enthusiasm for the job comes through when you when you sit down and speak to him. He is. He's, he's a top man. He is. He's a great lad. Yeah. Also, we've had some tremendous feedback from the Gary Hood interview. On the last podcast, it went down a treat. A lot Talking of... on the other day, and I think he's had a he's had a couple of requests to go and do sort of a couple of talks at clubs, which is which is really really good. So that's nice to get that sort of feedback. And I've I've obviously told him once he makes his first million to remember who gave him his shot. That's exactly, right, yeah. mate. Exactly. <laughs> and now we catch up with the new world number one, Nicky Brett. Hello. Hello, Nicky. How are you doing? You? Not too bad, not too bad. Thanks for taking the time to come onto the podcast. It's really appreciated, Nicky. No worries at all. It's our tenth uh, anniversary this one, so it's uh, it's a bit of a special one for us this one, and we'll, it'll be ideal to, to catch up with the man of the moment after the World Championship. Yeah, no worries at all, mate. So we'll dive straight in. World Indoor Championships. Obviously, you had a you had a fantastic time there. So do you want to just give us a little bit of a recap how things went down there, Nicky? Um, and then we'll obviously get onto that uh, that global shot that everybody's been talking about. Um. Obviously, we we started in the pairs, prelim, well, not prelims, quarterfinals of men's pairs. We had a decent win. I think we played Jamie and Dorsey, which is, uh, well, they beat us in the final wars a couple of years ago. That's so. right. I think that might have been Mr. Mackay's tip for the pairs as well, actually. So Easy. I hate to say that, Nick. Well, yeah, it's always, it's always a good tip. Yeah. You know, both world-class <laughs> players. And the pairs is anybody's, really. You yeah. know, all good players. And it's who turns up on any weekend, really. So yeah. you, could, you could tip any one of about 10 pairs, to be honest, and still have a shout absolutely yeah I mean looking at that early doors in that pairs as well I think everybody you know you can see the first game and, and you can watch somebody and say they're playing really well but I think you just you looked very sharp going into that first game Nicky and obviously carried, carried that on throughout the pairs competition yeah I mean Potters has been good to me over the last couple of years I've kind of back oh a long way back probably 2015 I had decent friends with Andy Thompson and he and he looked at me in 2015 and said you just look tired and drained when you turn up to Potters yeah. so you know, so I, I sort of, I sort of dealt with that really. Played a little bit less before Potters deliberately. You know, sometimes it's not always possible because if you're still in some nationals, you have to arrange them whenever you can. Yeah. But I deliberately tried to play a little bit less, so I'm a bit fresher going into Potters and. 
touch wood since then the the stats would say it's kind of gone all right getting that happy balance between making sure you're still sharp but obviously like you said not going in there shattered from competition because there's only so many times you can raise that adrenaline point the way you need it exactly true you know you cannot get to the, the you know when you're in the, what they call the groove i suppose you cannot get in that and stay in it for months and months you have to get up to that planning obviously against planning against the best in the world certainly on that surface you cannot keep going up and down to the highs and the lows yeah. it's alright when you're in the highs but when you're in the lows you're going to get beat I think there was people talking after your first couple of games and, and uh, the the live show went out for the first time on BBC for the final and again barring a magic ball from Alex in the was it the first or second end of the tie break where he was matched down and, and managed to save the match yeah second end of the tie break that was I mean I've played against Alex quite a lot and you know he he is the best at that particular one bowl. Yeah. No matter what type it is, backhand, forehand, draw, drive, whichever it is, I think I've I've witnessed him play the you know, the one that you have to get or you're out. I think he's played that against me and I've seen it played more than anybody in the world, yeah. to be honest. Yes, there's other good players about, but he's played that one when you have to more than anybody I've seen. Especially when it's, you know, we're not just talking about a national team match or a, or a county match or something like that. He always seems to do it at that critical point of difference between potentially gold or world championship or whatever it is. And we talked about it previously, the, the two balls that spring to mind were the Commonwealth Games against Andy Napper and Sam Tolchard, where he just played two absolute bombs. And the the lads must have just been shocked yeah exactly you know he, he doesn't have to be at his best to to win games at the right time yeah you know and and that's what world-class players do i suppose probably not play at their utmost for the whole game but are, have the ability to play the one that counts definitely and you know he's done it as i said before umpteen times against me let alone against everyone else in the world i'm sure so we've gone through that you obviously managed to win that last end and won the and won the pairs and and you could see on a lot of forums and a lot of people talking about how in touch you were in that game and how how well you played so you must have come away from that thinking you're in really good shape and that took you into the next one which was the mixed pairs uh, where again you know I, I think there was a there was a lot of potentially loose ends from the women without being too disrespectful and and the one man who just seemed to be cleaning up end after end was yourself. Yeah, I mean, like I said, Potters has been good to me over the last couple of years. I found a good rhythm whilst I'm there, not just on the green, off the green, pretty comfortable, relaxed. Plenty of people, you know, around to talk to, so you're not just bowls, bowls, bowls. You yeah. get away from it, whatever. And particularly when I'm on the green, I've, I've, I've caught the carpet pretty good. Probably yeah. been a bit quicker over the last couple of years, which yeah. probably... I would say suits me and I just feel as though they're coming out okay and I've got a good you know good set of bowls for what for the for the surface really and then you just got to pick the pace on the day try and balance your practice right you know it seems to be going okay no no big secret really I've just practiced just enough for me and that games have come at the right time and luckily I've just I've managed to pick the right shot at the right time or a little bit of lady luck along the way as well you know, you don't win lots of games without a little bit on your shoulder and I've probably had a bit. Things have gone okay in results. I think sometimes, or a lot of the time, psychologically, it's a lot easier or you, you tend to find that those things happen on a more regular basis when you are in that comfortable frame of mind, knowing that potentially you've got the right balls on the right surface and all you're having to think about is line and length. Your, your mind's not playing on the various different types of shots you, you feel you have to play because of the ball you're using. Um, and you, I, I just feel sometimes when you're in that frame of mind, those shots that you're going for are they're not easy in any shape or form, but they're easier in your own in your own mind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I'm not. Like I said I'm comfortable on the surface, comfortable with what I've got in my hand. All I've got to do really put it on the right track with the right pace. Yeah. Sounds stupid, but when everything else is in line, they're just coming out nice. So it's the simple basics know, like, of the game, though, really, isn't it? It's, if you get the right line and get the right length, then that that is the game. And if you can if you can clear your mind to be able to do that, then it's a lot easier game than what we sometimes make it our Ourselves. Oh yeah, a lot between the ears. If you've got a lot going on between the ears, sometimes getting the right line with the right pace is the hardest thing in the world. Yeah, definitely. Not only were you were you talked about initially with the pairs of how good you were playing. Obviously, going into the singles, it was no surprise to anybody that you went and got through to the final. Couple of questions that I've had from people who just wanted wanted the answer, and you can obviously clarify it was: Do you regret in any shape or form changing your ball for that final? Um, 
I do and I don't. Uh, there's, there's, the answer is I played in Scotland and didn't change yeah. bowls, and that obviously Paul outplayed me quite um, quite easily. And I, and I, you know, and I probably should have gone a wider, a wider bowl in Scotland. So that was part to play for the decision. Just felt quarters and semi-final. I didn't play as well as I wanted to play, even though I did get through. But they weren't, you know, they weren't obviously scintillating performances. But you can't always play great and get through. So I had a role with pros, and they just seemed to be doing a little bit more in practice what the others were. Even though under pressure with the, the Tiger Twos, I played okay with them and. You know, looking back, yes, I could have stayed with the Tiger Twos, but if looking, you know, I haven't watched the whole game back. I've watched the, the last end. And remembering through the game, I did get some shots, certainly on the flatter sides of the rink, that I maybe might not have got with the, with the Tiger Twos. Yeah. So, but as it turned out, in on the last bowl of the game, would I have preferred to have had the Tiger Twos in my hand as opposed to the pros? Probably yes, yeah. because it would have just made that last two bowls or the last end a touch easier to play. Well, I'm, but, going to, I'm going to come on to that question in a minute because that's another one. I know we discussed it up at Stanley, but um, certainly I think it's a it's a good one for you to give your opinion on and your answer on as well. But just just before that, did you feel that the, the portable ring changed across that three-week period? Um, I just wondered whether that was part of the reason for maybe a little bit of change. Had it slackened off a little bit or um, was it just a general choice that you made? Yeah, it, it did change from the first week to the, to the final and... And that always just then brings a different set of bowls into the mind frame then really. It wasn't quite as bendy or quite as quick. Still 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 quicker than anywhere else, but it's just different from start to finish. Yeah. That's and that's what the change was really. Yeah, and that's to be honest with you, that's that was my thoughts of why you had um, I thought it was a massive call for you because of the way you had played with the twos um, but you can you know you know you know the rink as, as well as anybody you'd probably played on it more than anybody so um, just going back to that last shot that you played um, I was screaming at the telly and knowing how good a, ru- a running bowler you are and I think a lot of people have made the same comment about why you didn't run the ball off rather than trying to draw it with the last two balls yeah and since we spoke in Stanley I have watched it back and when I was standing there looking over it I just couldn't see where I could get well other than a very fine outside edge I couldn't see getting the ball out without moving the jack up to a place where I didn't think I'd be holding on the spot or in the back corner which is very difficult to get at so that's why I went for the draw having watched it back it looks like there's so much more room did, yeah. for the bowl to go out yeah. you know on the, when I watched it back on YouTube it looks like oh you know there's so many you know even the bowl green onto red gets it out but looking at it live I did and I looked at it I'll say long and hard but for enough time for me to make my mind up to say it's not getting out there so I'd have two draws but when I've watched it back I've only watched the one end back it looks like there's so much more room to get the bowl out than what there I thought there was looking at it right there live so whether that's the TV's cameras making it look like there's more room or not but I'd convinced myself I couldn't get it out clean well you're seeing the bird's eye view and that's that's one thing about TV that you do look I mean the amount of times I would love a pound for every time I've said there is no chance that red ball can be shot and when it gets down and the certain angle changes on the TV that green ball or the red ball looks a heck of a lot closer than what it originally did so you know you've you've got to look at that and you've got to walk away and go with the shot that you feel is 100% for you and there's every chance that that TV angle has probably made it look as if there was a lot more having watched it I just thought you would never in my opinion never refuse a shot like that because you are so good at it and played it so many times during the championships um, so you know that that for me is probably as sound an explanation as what it is that the angle of the TV made it look a lot easier to take out than what it did for you down on the actual surface itself I certainly would have rather have played that shot, but I, I just, I just didn't feel that it would. I would be holding after I played it, and and then probably wouldn't be in a. I don't think I could be in a much worse position, but it certainly would have been a very awkward position after that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I'll not, uh, I'll not remind you of that um, that match anymore because I'm sure it's probably gone through your mind so many times. But I do have to say, when we did talk about Stanley, you were extremely gracious of obviously for Rob because that was his third time of getting there, and obviously um, world champion. You were obviously you know happy for, happy for Rob as well, which has to be said. And it was you know. 
know, to, to get there once will be anybody's dream, but to get there three times, maybe it was just his turn, and uh, and he obviously got that. Yeah, I mean, he's he's you know he's played well enough over a number of years to to earn the right to now be called the world champion, and I, I also can't complain what you know what how my tournament went. Yes, it would have been nice to finish it off, but to be fair, you know, he's done enough and. You know, quite rightly so. Now earn the right to be a world champion. He, so. he has, and I think more so for the fact of he's had a bit of a psychological battle over the last eighteen months with delivery and you know a little bit of loss of form as well. So to come back and and play as strong as he did, and I, and I still don't think he was completely sort of over that situation prior to getting into the world championships, and his his confidence just appeared to continue to build throughout. Um, so yeah, oh, definitely. He showed some great. He showed some great mental mental strength. There's no doubt about that. He did. Over yeah. the last year from where he was this time, this time last year or in a week's time this time last year he's shown some great mental strength to, to, to do what he's ended up doing in January so you know fair play Absolutely. you know hats off to me fair. so we've um, we've been in the world indoors and now obviously you've come away from that and you've got your mindset now um, having been selected for the world outdoor championships in Australia how's preparation going for that Nicky? yeah well we've just come off the back of a squad weekend you know new for me obviously I've been in uh, squads before before, but not in the actual team. So now we're now I'm in the team environment, and yeah. we've you know we've had a little bit of practice, make gap matches against uh, county players and past internationals, and uh, a bit of preparation, you know, schedules and stuff like that. So yeah, really looking forward to it. To be honest, it's an honour, obviously, to be selected. Others have done it in the past. You being one, it's a, it's a great experience. I'm, I'm sure when I get there, and it's you know, I'm just really looking forward to it. Now that the boys have been great, and the girls who were there been great to me welcome me in so yeah just looking forward to it i'm sure with the team that you've got both men and women are, are going to do a great job on there and it would be remiss not to mention obviously the the walk for charity that you're doing do you want to just give us a little bit of an idea on that one nicky yeah well obviously it was speaking about what can what can we do and what someone suggested some steps quite a lot of steps ten thousand a day yeah. you know <laughs> that's uh, quite a few to do but you know 300 over three hundred thousand each so richie's just passed pound. out <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's the charity for, Nicky? It's for uh, mental health. So you know, Fantastic. you know, a lot of a lot of us and a lot of everybody has been through lots of different things. You know, a lot goes on between the years, and, no, and some people can get to grips with it, and some can't. And uh, you know. It's, just one that was suggested to us all and you know we all thought it's well worthwhile doing and uh, we're well on the road now to completing all of our steps fantastic and i have been seeing the updates on that so that's that's fantastic and it's nice like i say i think it just it brings the the charity and and what you do into the forefront because you are going to be the forefront especially in the balls world over the next few months with regards to the world championships and um we all obviously hope that you come back with with as bright a colored medals as possible um and i'm sure you're that's the aim and we'll be doing our best but so will everybody else so we'll just you know try and prepare right as best we can obviously we're with these steps and we're going to be as fit as we are we're going to be as fit as we ever have there's no doubt about that there'll be more from nicky later in the show welcome to richie's roundup cue the music the final of this year's Liberty Trophy will see holders Durham take on Devon. In the semi-finals, Durham beat Cambridgeshire by 32, while Devon beat Sussex by 45. This will be the fifth time that the two counties have met in the Liberty Final, with Durham having won the previous four. For anybody superstitious in the Devon side, Durham going for their unlucky 13th Liberty Trophy. The Women's Athlete Trophy Final will see Sussex play Lincolnshire. In the semi-finals, Sussex beat Dorset by 20, while Lincolnshire beat Norfolk by 14. Lincoln will be going for their ninth title, while last year's beaten finalists Sussex are going for their first. The Egham Trophy semi-final lineup has been confirmed as Exonia will play St Neots and Egham will play Spalding. In the over 60s inter-county, or what I call it the Old Man's Liberty Trophy, Yorkshire will play Kent in the final. Yorkshire beat North Hans by 34, while holders Kent will be going for their fifth title after beating Hampshire by 15. The final stages of this year's Mixed Pairs and Mixed Fours was held at Hartlepool. In the Mixed Pairs, the husband and wife team of Norfolk's Rebecca and Wayne Wilchris took the title, beating Blackpool Newton Halls, Sue Kersley and Dominic McVitie 17-11 in the final. 
in the Mixed Force final, Spalding's Ruby Hill, Chelsea Tomlin, Martin Spencer and Matthew Ory repeated their 2018 success when they beat Blackpool Newton Hall's Dominic McVitie 19-7 in the final. For the Blackpool lad, it's either a good weekend to get the two finals or one of those weekends to lose two finals. And that sound signifies we've lost more national champions. In the over-50s triples, Wellingborough's David Love saw his title defence come to an end with a 2010 loss to clubmate Paul Coley. Meanwhile, in the national top club, Swales' title defence also came to an end when they were beaten 10-6 by Egham in the quarterfinals. And our third defending champion to go out came in the women's two-ball when Spalding's Chelsea Tomlin was beaten 21-18 in the area final by Barwell's Barbara Lewis. And just a reminder that the National Championships take place at Nottingham from the 16th of March to the 28th of March. You'll be guaranteed a warm welcome. Come on folks, let's pack the place out. On the open single circuit, there's only been one event. That was the Clary Dunbar. And the title went to Dorchester's Martin Puckett, who beat Kingsthorpe's Jamie Walker in the final. This was Puckett's fourth title of the season and his seventh since the open single circuit started. Win moves the Dorchester lad up to second in the rankings and our six events in March. Staying with the open single circuit and they are getting involved in the Bournemouth Open Bowls tournament, namely the singles where the winner will get not only a first prize of 1750 there's also a trip to Perth, Australia to play in the $100,000 Everest of Balls event. The entry fee is £15 and there is a total prize pot of £10,000, of course subject to the number of entries received. This covers singles, pairs, open triples and mixed pairs. The outdoor tournament takes place from the 27th of July to the 1st of August. Now news from the Welsh Premier League. Since our last roundup, there have been two rounds of fixtures, and it's congratulations to Cardiff, who have retained their Welsh Premier League title with one game to go. A draw at Cannon Valley was backed up by a win in the big local derby at Swansea, which secured the title for the Cardiff lads. Over to Scotland, and the Green Gage League final saw Ballantyre beat Midlothian 79-69 to land the title. In the senior version, Auckland Leck beat Aberdeen in a thriller, which went to extra ends. Premier League playoffs saw West Scotland beat Tweedbank by three, while Presswick, which included Paul Foster, beat Bainfield by four. Meanwhile, the division playoffs saw Paisley east past Courtbridge by 50 shots. And the senior Scottish National Championships have been played at Abbey View. Men's title went to Stirling's Danny McCormack, who beat Buchan's Bill Mendes 21-10 while the pairs title went to Falkirk's Norman Bruce and Bruce Craigie. West Lothian took the triples, while Turuff took the fours. The under-21 singles final saw Presswick's Darren Weir take the title when he beat Dean Reaver from East Lothian 21-13. Ladies singles title went to Arbroath's Hilda Martin who beat Celia Smith 21-8 in the final, while the pairs title went to Auchinlex, Elizabeth Hume and Heather Kay. Congratulations to one and all. As it's March, it must be home in the National Series time. Both series this year take place at Leon Alley. In the Women's Series, England will be looking to defend their title for a third consecutive year, although the last three series held at Leon Alley have gone to the Scots. While in the Men's Series, having won the last two series at Leon Alley, England will be confident of a sixth consecutive title defence. The Championships start on the 6th of March and they run through to the 14th of March. Get along and be loud and be proud. Where's the BBC when you need them? And that's your whack from me. And now we catch up with Alistair Hollis from Balls England. Thanks very much for coming on the podcast, Alistair. That you will you will pop on on a regular basis across the year just to give us updates on Balls England. And today was an ideal opportunity because we've obviously had some some changes in the board at separate Balls England. So yeah. we thought this was a, a nice chance for you just to to give us an update on that and just have a little bit of chat about anything you would also like to to comment on within the Balls England environment. Happy to do that, Dave. No problems. That's great. So so we'll start with the we'll start with the new board members, Alistair. Did you want to just give us an update on that? 
Yeah, sure. I mean, there's been, we've uh, recently appointed two new directors to the Board of Bowls England. One is a very familiar face up in Durham, which is Foster Johnson. Never, been involved never heard in of him, to be honest with you, Alistair. Never heard, yeah. never heard of him. So, Foster has taken on a role because we've had some changes with the chair as well. David Tucker took over as chair yeah. at the last AGM. So, Foster's actually taken over that position that became vacant because David had previously held the post as Director of Governance. Yeah. The other appointment, which is probably uh, a bit of a different tack for Bowls England is that we've appointed an independent director with a specific remit for marketing and communications which obviously with the remit of the podcast etc uh, is an important position yeah. that's a, a guy called Harry Nijar Harry's not a bowler but he is a specialist in marketing uh, and he's obviously going to bring some hopefully bring some new ideas new sort of a, a fresh look both to the board and to Bowls England more generally uh, and, uh, you know, and I think, I think like like with your podcast, like with work that we're trying to do, I think one of the big things that we want to try and do, David, is, is really try and get a bit more noise about the sport. You know, the more people that understand about the sport of bowls, the more chance we've got to get people into the sport. Definitely. And uh, and that's that's really key to it. And then I suppose on top of the appointments of the the directors we've also uh, appointed a new chief executive i'm sure most of your listeners will know tony alcock and tony's going to retire at the end of march and his replacement will be john cockcroft who joins us from uh, a commercial position with england hockey yeah. and john will be joining us on the 1st of june and again i'm sure that he will be bringing in some real new ideas and fresh ideas uh, and again, hopefully to, to move both bowls England forward in in particular and the sport of bowls in general. That's brilliant. I think I think it's, it was it was very important um, in a, in a couple of those positions to bring somebody in from outside of the sport. This is my personal opinion. I just think that sometimes I think the sport suffers from having too many people who are involved in the sport and are, are a little bit either frightened or reluctant to change. Whereas a new fresh set of eyes and ears and being in a different sport where different things may have happened and had success from hopefully that can be brought in and, and having looked at obviously the new CEO and just had a you know a brief research um, he seems to have done extremely well in the England hockey I think so Dave I think that in, in reality it's, it is often in, in anything sometimes it, it needs a fresh pair of eyes somebody to come in have a look you know challenge challenge what's been done if the reason that something's still being done is because it's been done that way for 20 20 years that's perhaps not the right reason so yeah. I think you know and, and I think that applies in particular it applies to all sports and yeah, um, I... certainly you know a lot of national governing bodies when you sit when you speak sit down and speak with them the, the most common thing that's often, often said is that they want to do for their sport what 2020 has done for cricket yeah. um, and I think realistically certainly the sport of bowls needs to try and attract something that I brings the sport to a new audience brings in new people a younger approach a fresher approach as you say perhaps you know hopefully John will come in and he will bring the experience he's had from hockey and from from the wider sporting arena and actually be able to apply that to our sport without perhaps as you say some of the the more traditional elements that actually that that's perhaps the reason why there's not been so much change I think there's a positive is in in reality those of us who've been involved in the sport for a number of years and probably include both of us in this is that whilst we might think we, we might think there's not been change there has actually been quite a lot oh, of change it's just, you know, it, you only have to look at a, a team photo from a few years back and you've got blazers and ties and you've got white trousers and etc. Yeah. And that's all now, you know, probably long gone. I think that in reality, perhaps the chain, it, it's not a case that we need to reinvent the wheel. I personally feel that what we need to do is look at what actually our current customers want. And there are a number of people out there who are quite happy to play 21 ends stop for a tip tea and scone halfway through and take three or four hours of a day to play bowls yeah. and if that if that green is being filled by that pe that group of people that is absolutely nothing wrong with that absolutely. i think what we need to be doing is look
looking actually at where the greens are not being used and identify what we can do to, to bring in new people to fill that, whether it's people playing a shorter format, whether it's businesses filling the green during the day for corporate sessions or whatever, yeah. but actually looking at what we can do to fill that gap that at the moment, it, it, I, I see it at the moment that bowls is almost a bit take it or leave it and, and the, the take it is around about three to four hours and it actually if you start to be competitive it's probably for at least three or four times a week so I think, I, I think, that's I think where we need to be looking at Going back to what we were just talking about there, Alistair, about people being involved in the sport for so long, I keep saying this to people, I'm extremely confident that there are these changes happening and, and I keep reverting back to what you've just said there about lasers and ties, etc. But I just think because there's been so many people involved in the sport, and, I, and again, use that word either frightened or reluctant, I think the changes have just taken probably longer than what they needed to in my eyes. I think there's always been a reluctance to go in there heavy-handed and then all, all of a sudden go from whites to just you know the, the the completely different outfits that we're seeing but you know the, there are teams there are you know i don't know if you've seen the application that's been accepted from new De- new delaval knights up in northumberland who have now rebranded to the new delaval knights and which is fantastic and that's just little things that i just think will take the sport forward and i just hope that a lot more clubs jump on the back of that because i think it's needed. yeah you're right i mean it, it, and it's the, it's that sort of thing that will get recognition it's something that can hang hang on to much quicker you know where, you know like you say, I, I saw the application about the that from the nights today actually and it, and i did think to myself brilliant that's really forward thinking Definitely. you know and if that works for their club it should be applauded you know and i think by the same token if there's the club down the road that don't want to go there but they all their membership are quite happy that's fine as well you know and i think that's where we need to be looking at it and it, it is a case of each club is very different and that's why for us as a national body uh, at times we get criticized because we seem to be almost governing too much and then at other times we get criticised for not taking the lead and sometimes those two criticisms which are almost poles apart come from the same people yeah. if that makes sense Absolutely. we need to govern the sport and I think probably our message out there is to is to clubs and that and, and we often get asked you know are we okay to play a game of three bowl pairs or two bowl triples do you know what in a club event in it or in a local league or whatever if that's what works for that club and those members and those people that's trying to bring into the sport my, my answer would be why not Absolutely. you know that's what we need to be looking at at the end of the day we're going to have people in two three years time playing for the gold medal at the commonwealth games and they're going to be winning gold medals over 15 ends of three bowl pairs yeah. or of two bowl triples so that's the ultimate in our sport and that's the format they're playing so surely it's about time that actually we try to embrace a bit more of this this shorter format which at the end of the day is working at the highest level Absolutely, and, and and just like you were saying earlier on as well about the cricket, the, there is still a massive audience for Test cricket over five days, where it's just a long, hard slog. There is a massive yeah. audience now for the twenty twenty or the one day cricket. I think, to be honest, David, it it has been a case that you know twenty twenty brought in a whole new audience of people to cricket, but those people have actually then almost transferred over to watching Test matches. The shorter format has actually had the benefit of actually bringing people in to the rest of the sport. And I think that's where we would be looking... I think that's what we should be looking at, is to say, actually, we do something to trigger the interest. And like I say, whether that is a, a, an hour game format, in in the thought that they may then actually say, do you know what, I want to play competitions, I want to go and play this, I want to go and represent my club on a Saturday afternoon, or whatever it might be. But unless we, we create that format to get them through the door in the first place, the other bits aren't going to follow. And I think that's where cricket have certainly had a, a massive benefit from 2020 no you're right and it's it's like every sport i was talking about talking about this to somebody the other day one of our lads who's just had a you know he's just started a family and we haven't seen him much this season once you get into the heart of our sport or any sport i think for that matter and once you get involved in it it doesn't matter what format it is you tend to either go in there 100 percent and all out or you do the opposite and get away from it because it's so hard to just do that little bit of in between unless unless you just want it completely for a casual game once a week um, yeah. and I think the competitive players it's got to be one or the other but you can't avoid all of the other things that surround it I think to be honest Dave, the other key thing to, to point out is that this 
a, a change to a shorter format or revised timings probably helps everybody. You know, I mean, there's a lot of older members now who potentially find 21 ends hard work, yeah. so that suits them. We also have to recognise that also when we look at grandparents, they are now facing the real the real prospect of not being able to play tr- as they would have done traditionally in the afternoon because they need to pick the grandkids up from school at three o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. So we again, this is where I, I, I sort of urge clubs to look at their formats and say, actually, oh, should we be starting a game at two o'clock in the afternoon, or could we do something starting at eleven, finishing at two, and so that then their members can get a game in before they have to do whatever else they have to do in their outside lives? Yeah. Because at the moment, it's still very much a case of we're we're catering for those who who probably work monday to friday nine to five on the men's side or women who don't work or actually you know grandparents who have no caring responsibilities absolutely so we need to actually identify you know and this is where each club will have a very different membership and also a very different potential membership and one of the groups of people that everyone talks that we want to bring into bowls is those that have played sort of and i call them actives actively retired so let's say they've played hockey or football or whatever they've reached about 35 40 and they want to go and do something else but they've probably been brought up on a one training session in the week on a wednesday night and a game on a saturday morning or a sunday morning and that's been their commitment to their sport for the last 20 years and actually the sport of bowls is very different as it currently sits in most places so again if if that's the type of people we want to engage with and and bring into the sport we actually need to look at what we're offering them before we actually get to them Balls Scotland have now got a podcast and I think Balls Wills, I've seen a, a couple of talks there about somebody's wanting to do a podcast and I'm not sure if Balls England will do one in the future. But as far as... It's on, our, it's on our agenda, Dave, to be honest, that's, yeah. That's a great thing and we've said all along, um, Alistair, that it's nice to it's nice to basically get the sport promoted as much as possible and we've, you know, people have asked, are you bothered that there's other podcast course with us at the end of the day? We're, we're, we're over the moon that we've, we've potentially started something that seems to be successful you know we're getting great figures and it just gets the sport out there and we are not we are not solely for Bulls England or Bulls Scotland or Wales or Ireland or anything like that we we will always be a, a general podcast covering pretty much whatever we want to cover so it's yeah but yeah, I, you're, you're not you're not as restricted as perhaps others are. So absolutely, that, that, that can work in your favour. Absolutely, and you get a different audience because of it. Yeah, so. and, and we and we like to at the end of the day we like to give a, a bit of an opinion on things that we we see or hear, and it's nothing nothing degrading. And we certainly always give anybody the opportunity if they ever if they ever felt we were wrong in what we say, we're more than welcome. Uh, or we welcome them to come on and we can have that debate and have a conversation. But that's that's all it is from our point of view. We want to see the sport go forward. We we have our opinions on bits and pieces, but everything seems to be, you know, it seems to be going positive and, and things have gone well. So, like we said at the start, this is something we're hoping, obviously, you're going to be able to pop on. And Very happy to do so, David. Fantastic. Well, it's been great having you on. We'll let you crack on and we we'll look forward to having you on next time. All right, then. Thanks a lot, Dave. Not a problem at all, Alistair. Thanks now. Take care. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye listening to Rob Bias Podcast. And now the final instalment from our Nicky Brett interview. So um, just moving on now as well, obviously you were part of the Junior International set up last week um, at Stanley. We, we covered it, or sorry, two weekends ago we covered it. Um, are you enjoying being in and in around that environment? Is it, is it something that you see yourself doing in the future a lot more? Yeah, I mean, as, as corny as it sounds, I, you know, Bowles has given me a lot and I, I just try to, you know, ask if I, they asked me if I would be, you know, be interested. And it, it, opportunity for me to give something back and, you know, put put some, try and put some of my knowledge into some of the youngsters, you know, just trying to put a bit back, really, identifying the, the next generation, really. And, I, and I'm, you know, really enjoying it. You know, it's, it's a, a good thing to do, get involved with the under-18s as well. Yeah. You know, seeing, it from, seeing them from start to finish and, and looking who's going to take my place, really. So. Absolutely, and that's what it's all about. And we did, we did have a brief chat about it, and it's um, you know you you you're certainly a, a perfect man to be in there from the background. And and again, we're not we're not ruling out any under twenty five teams before that, but I, I really think that the under twenty five team we were both a part of many many moons ago was probably you know I, I can't think of a stronger team that has been out ever since that time. In my opinion, uh, when you that look was at certainly th- some team we played in there, but. Oh. 
some year, we were a couple of years ago it was <laughs> yeah but, uh, yeah. But, um, uh, yeah that was uh, certainly uh, a very good taste for me back in the under 25 days i mean almost all barring barring one or two and i think the the one or two that haven't actually played senior international bowls has been, have been reserves for the yeah. senior team so it was something we played in absolutely and uh, any of the junior lads have got to be you know if they're not if they're not going to listen to advice or, or or take knowledge from from yourself having been through that and obviously you know your your success ever since then then unfortunately i don't think they'll they'll ever take it from anybody so um wish you the best of success with that i know the international series didn't go to plan um finished running up to scotland but you know there was there was a few on the green there that you look at and you think there's promise for the future um and maybe just need molding and and preparing for for making that step up oh definitely there's still still some class there and the selectors we've got to learn a bit on the way as well you know we're under 25s evolution kicks in and you lose the players and then you have to rebuild and sometimes we don't get a square peg in a square hole That's right. you know some, you know and uh you know, we need to be brave at sometimes, and it's awful conversations when you have to change teams as well. But yes. you know, there's still some real quality England have got, and some that are maybe not in the team right now who will come, who could come through in in the future. So there's definitely a bright future for England juniors, without a doubt. And you want that, you you want those players looking over the shoulders of other lads as well, because that's the only way you're going to continue to progress and push yourself as well. So I'm just going to um, before I give you the seven up questions to finish off with, Nicky. I know um, uh, Richie's got a couple of questions for you as well so I'll just pass you on to Richie you alright Nick not bad yeah good thank you good mate um, you play EBF as well now you've, you've been do, mate, yeah. quite successful at EBF which would you prefer between EBF and EBA horses for courses really I mean I've played I've played in the EBF all for, a, for a long long time but you know and then a, a lot of games kick in and then you have to try and make a choice of you know like we said earlier on you know trying to play the right amount at the right level so you know then I didn't play didn't play EBF for a while then obviously my daughter started to play uh, and it's a good grounding I can play with her in that and she can play from a young age I can play with her in that so I started to play a little bit more a little bit of success came ahead came ahead we're we're quite a reasonably strong club and county for the you know so I can play federation stuff and we're still reasonably successful so it's quite it's enjoyment for me and I can play with my daughter that's how I got back into the federation dance again really so but if I had to you know obviously EBA or well, the Bowls England and EIBA would be my preference yeah. but it, it, horses for courses for, for what what I needed to do and was doing it each each time really yeah do you find with you with you trying both codes the the hours that you, you need to practice gets less and less um, well during the season I don't practice too much because I like to play in games where I'm trying to beat someone and they're yeah. trying to beat me yeah. Because the, you have to keep the intensity levels up. Practice is okay if you've got a new set of bowls and you want to, you know, if, oh, they, what sort of line they're playing and that sort of thing. But if I'm playing to keep an intensity level up, I play in games of something or other. Do you enter club competitions at Ian Gough Club? Um, because I, I, I could imagine the members will probably be racing the game, shall we say, against you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't play in too many club competitions because. You, you, you twitch between the devil and the deep blue sea. If yeah. you enter them all, they say you're pot under. Pot under. <laughs> so, you know, I kind of, I do, but I don't, you know, I pay my entry because it's money for the club, yeah. but I generally don't play in too many. That, I, that's, how, that's how I roll, really. And what's your thoughts on the actual game at the minute? Is the one thing that you would possibly change in it if you had a if if, this, if the came up and you said Nicky Brett you can change one thing in this game what would what would it be? I would make try and get one governing body unify. We're certainly unify whether you call it Bowls England or whatever you. I would try and get everybody in England to unify. That was that would be my one wish because then you've got sponsors talking to one person, not four or five or six different people or bodies. That's, that that would be my one wish. Well, before I forget, because I'll get absolutely shot if I forget this, and I kind of believe that I've skipped it so far, but 
that, that <laughs> shot. <laughs> right. Ah, yes. That shot, oh, yeah. which, which we, we talked about, and, you know, it was a it was a phenomenal shot, and it's it's great. And, and we did talk about how, you know, this is these are the things that we, as a sport, need to promote a lot more because this happens on a on a regular basis, you know, maybe not at not always at that level of shot, but um, certainly the different things that can be played. What was the, you know, you're in the middle of these championships and you've played that ball, which for you is, you know, it's it's a great shot and it's one I'm sure you'll have played many times before. What what was that feeling like the next day when everything just exploded? And to be honest with you, the only thing I can compare it to with the numbers is obviously the numbers we get for our Wrong Bias podcast because oh, I think sure. it was hitting about 20 million. <laughs> <laughs> but that must have been, especially in our sport, and again, I don't want to degrade the sport in any shape or form, but for us to get that limelight at that time for something that we do on a regular basis, what was the whole sort of feeling of that like, Nicky? Was it was it something that sort of shocked you, or was it um, you know was it was it nice to get that bit of prestige and a bit of press and good sort of PR for the game? It was definitely great for the game. I think and long mate, if we have one every year, every tournament would be outstanding. Yeah. Whoever plays it, I, I, I'm not worried who plays it to be honest. And for me, it was yeah, the ball was from down the other end during the game. I thought yeah, it was it was all right. I just did what he asked really, <laughs> you know. And uh, but obviously you. You see the whatever it was, um, the clip on Twitter or wherever, because I, because obviously I can't see it from where I am. I've That's just right, seen yeah. it. I've got him. I've got it. I've got in the gap. I didn't know I'd got in the gap without touching anything from the other end at that particular stage. Yeah. Then you had all the commentary in and whatever the bug life stuff on it as well. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, it makes it look, you know, pretty pretty good when you don't touch anything going through, sit down perfectly. I suppose it's, I suppose it makes it look a better shot than what I first, you know, I just got in a gap really. I, yeah. did, I didn't know, I didn't, I didn't know I hadn't touched anything. So, and then not, nothing really much happened that evening. But then the next day, I've, I've got, oh, it's gone bananas. The next day, I'm, I'm doing all sorts of radio interviews, TV interviews. Um, they wanted me to go on the one show, but, you know, that didn't work out because of game scheduling still at Potter's. But, uh, yeah, it went it went bananas, really. And, like I said, hopefully something great comes of it from the game, you know, because other people have played better bowls th- than that. Maybe not all of them have been on TV with the commentary and the crowd interaction, which is probably the difference between other bowls in the past and then will, will be in the future. But, uh, yeah, a bit manic from then on the rest of that week. To okay. be honest, I was a hot topic, I suppose, that week with needing, wanting me to go everywhere and do all sorts of stuff. Well, I've got a pound in my pocket to say that that clip will appear on Sports Personality of the Year. Do you think so? Oh, do you yeah, think yeah. so? Yeah. Well, we've missed last year. We've missed the last few years, haven't we? Yeah, you we can have. guarantee that clip will get on. We well, must do. I hope so. And like you say, I did say I just really hope that you know the the powers that be get sat down with BBC or any TV, whatever that may be, and basically just say, look at what this created just off one shot. That is the sport, in my opinion. You know, I I agree. Hopefully, somewhere in the powers that be, something can come good good of the game to, you know, get more tournaments on TV yeah. for a start that, that's that's the key That I mean because the format I think it is pretty good I mean you know we've gone from what 21 up to sets play now and, that, and that's got to be gripping because nobody knew who, who was going to win the world singles final until the last bowl that's right so you know so I think the format is as good as any game on TV definitely so we just need somebody to you know be interested and grab hold of it and it just shows you with whatever having a million views that's ended up with that bowl There's people are interested yep there is an audience without a doubt Nicky. so tremendous so just to finish off Nicky, this will literally take 30 seconds it's just my seven up questions pretty basic and just just give us your just give us your answers um off the top of your head yeah mate, yeah go on so i know you use a few sets but what would be your preferred balls used uh, hence like Tiger 2s. Tiger 2s. Your favourite green you've ever played on? Oh, I'm going to go with Stanley in the quick days. Before the blue carpet? Yeah. Red or brown sauce? Uh, brown. Toughest opponent you've ever played? Um, Can either be a team it. or an individual? Uh, toughest opponent is Paul Foster. Best match you've ever been involved in? Oh, blimey. <laughs> <laughs> the first World Bowls Tour one, and that was a... Scotland 
in 14, I think. Great stuff. If you weren't a bowler, would you be a tennis player or a golfer? Golfer. And your future ambition in the sport? I would like to say I'd like to win a medal outdoors at either Commonwealth Games or the World Championship. Fantastic, Nicky. Nicky, it's been a great interview. Thanks very much. I know a lot of what you've been saying will answer quite a few questions of of people who've maybe never had the opportunity to, to speak to you or, or ask the questions. So it's much appreciated that you've taken the time to come on and I'm sure we will catch up in the near future. No problem at all, anytime. It's competition time. Right, well, seeing as it's our 10th show, we thought we'd have a bit of a bumper competition. Once again, we always say thank you to Alex Marshall Sports, who supports us. Um, prizes we've got on offer this week. If we were to turn around and say that we're chucking in an Amazon dot and assign Nicky Bretcher, you'd be saying, stop, stop, that's more than enough. Well, we're not only just doing that, but we've also had the six months Bowls International subscription given back to us by Paul Hartley, uh, due to the fact that he's already subscribed. So thank you to Paul for that. And we've also got a fire stick as well. So we've got some tremendous prizes. What we're going to do this time, instead of just the one prize winner, we're going to have three. So first, we'll win the Amazon Dot and the signed Nicky Brett shirt. The second name drawn out will get the six months Bowls International subscription and the third person will get the fire stick. And not only will you get those prizes, but the three winners will also get some wrong buyers merchandise, which is obviously the more valuable prize. I'm sure you'll agree. And the question for the competition is going to be, what was the charity that Bowls England are doing the walk for? Nicky did mention it during his interview. Get the answer. You can send us that on Facebook, email on wrong.bias at hotmail.com or you can drop us a line on Twitter. Every answer will go into the pot and as we said, we in this, this time we're playing for three prizes and three great prizes there. Right, mate. Another one bites the dust. Number ten. Good show again. Yep. Good show. It's it's always nice. It's you know I like how diverse we've been. I think over the last ten shows, we we, we try where we can not to repeat stuff yeah, too we'll much. Yeah, kick the can down the road, mate. We have. Hopefully, it's kept people interested and and still does. We keep getting emails, which many thanks to everybody who keeps sending us the emails. We've had one from Michael. And he's just asked us, um, do you think the standalone clubs are better than leisure centres? Now, from my point of view, I would say a standalone club all the way. Leisure centre, you, I know you've got no overheads, but your future is very much out of your hands. Yeah. The council can come along and say, get out. Whereas a standalone club, well, you've, you've virtually got a blank page. Yeah, I mean, like I say, I think yeah, you've hit the nail on the head. The leisure centres tend to be more subsidised, um, but I don't think you've got a great deal of control over your destiny. You've You've got to go through them to to do what you feel is right for the club. At least when you've got your, your your own club, then it's you know it's very much like running a business, isn't it? You've got your you've got your directors, you've got your committees. Yeah. If there's things need doing, you you find the money and you get it done. Yeah, I know you've, you've got you've got your overheads and what have you as a standalone club, but I think if you at least you've got the opportunity to make it work, haven't you? Yeah. And if, if it doesn't work, it's no one to blame but yourself. Yeah, and I've I've, I've no doubt. Obviously, we'll, we'll have seen standalone clubs close, but I don't think it will be anything in comparison the leisure centre closures I can think of probably five off the top of my head just up in the north um, that have closed that were part of a leisure centre Yeah. so again it just begs that question you haven't got a great deal of control over the, the destiny of where you go and you could have the strongest club in the world but if you don't, if they don't want you there and they want that land for something else then you ain't really got an argument um, we've also had an email from one of our earlier guests um, Dom Pixley yeah. Um, which we're going to discuss in a future show about some of the smaller nations, likes of Netherlands, Switzerland, Turkey, and Czechoslovakia, and whether it comes the time to relight the claim to get into the Olympics. So mm-hmm. we're going to discuss that probably in a future show. Dom, honest engines. Definitely, maybe, uh, maybe potentially, if we can, if we can get the interest from World Bowls, maybe. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll see if we can get somebody on. And um, we've had a one from Hugh Crosby, one of our 
Cumbrian listeners, I think. Regular, um, regular email. He's been on. Great. I mean, I don't know what, did you see the BP11, the Australian? Oh, bits and pieces. I didn't catch I'll a lot tell you of what, it was names. quality again, mate. I really enjoyed it. And I mean, he's, he's just highlighted, I mean, Hugh's emails just highlighted everything that we've said. Music playing, Jack plays at the head by the skip, which stops throwing the jack up, which I think, yeah, it's a good idea. It's it's there. It's Two sets of five It saves time, doesn't it? And then you've got that old power play, which I know was tried in the Premier League over yeah. here, but it's it's a it's a different thing. I mean, I remember I remember when we did have the Premier League and it was announced the power play. It was like, woo! Yeah, oh yeah, my yeah I know. But there's just a different there's just a different level of how things happen over there. They change the jack colour from yellow to red, yeah. and a simple thing like that just then enhances that. You know, this is a power play end, and um, even our players doing their own measuring as well, mate. Which <laughs> was a first. Yeah. Um, and the spectators allowed to move while the match is in progress. Background music on, isn't it? It's sort of like that. Just reiterate what we talked about with the with the Potter scenario, where if everybody's sitting as still as anything, one little movement is going to highlight, you know, magnify a heck of a lot. Whereas yeah. if everybody's moving, making noise, whatever, all of the time, then just like the darts, some of the darts players wear earpieces, so they cannot hear that. Others revel in it and they play with the crowd. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. And my Gideon, can't they all fire on that BPL, mate? <laughs> that Ryan Bester. Oh, and a, the lad flapper from Aussie, Australia, <laughs> mate. Gee, I mean, they want to give a warning to the crowd. Have you ever seen a slow-mo? Of when the if you look at his arm, his arm is literally up above his head from behind. Oh, unbelievable! Just, I know um, that the, the Canadian lad actually hit Joe Edwards. Did she, did uh, he? The oh, ball oh, hit her, oh. smacked her on the leg. She had to go to oh, hospital because the touch really cracked her shin. Oh, but she was all right. She must have been all right because she was running up and down the green in the final. <laughs> the one at the road, didn't they? So, <laughs> yeah, a, quick recover, a quick recovery there, mate. Um, we had another one from the border bowler asking whether we. Top golfers seem to practice, practice, practice more. That doesn't seem to be transit to top bowlers. Why do you think that is? I just think it's a lack of time. It is, and I, I actually responded to this one. I, I sent quite a detailed response, and and my my thoughts are that unfortunately within our sport we we ain't playing for our living. We're not playing for the crown jewels. We ain't going to be able to play this sport and retire anytime soon. So I think you know human nature is the is the the incentive to go down there and put hours yeah. after hours after hours. You, you you know Phil Taylor in the darts was renowned for putting eight hours of darts in a day. I, I struggle to put no, half an hour. Half in because, practicing yeah you know you get personal glory out of this sport but if i if somebody was to come along to me tomorrow and say dave put eight hours a day and get to the top of the game and you will never have to work again and you'll never have to worry about money again i'd be probably putting 10 hours in and it's just that frame of mind thing um and unfortunately it's just the level of where the sport's at I don't think the incentive is is quite there for people to go in and put that structured. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and I did mention you do see it in Malaysia and you do see it in Australia because these guys are sort of making a living out of yeah. this. And, and and I'm sure I've heard before, Malaysian players who win major championships are given cars and given houses. So again, I would certainly put ten hours a day in for a house. Oh, two, right, mate. And he also asked whether we'll consider having a coaching segment of the podcast, which yeah, I think that would be a good thing. Fair enough. We can just throw bits and bobs out there, mate, can't we? I'd like to. I think I, I always say there's a there's a lot of worry out there from people who think that you've got to have won multiple championships to be a good coach and I think it's it would be a good topic for us to talk about and and for people to understand that you know you've you've just got to be able to speak to people and relay what the basics of the sport are to become a coach you don't have to be anything yeah. out of out of the ordinary so yeah I think that'll be a good segment to cover and then our last one I think was um, we, we mentioned it earlier with Alistair uh, the new Delaville Knights uh, sent us a, a lovely email with their new tops and all I would say to anybody is if you get the chance if you're on Facebook get yourself on to New Delaville Knights page and have a look at their top because I'll tell you what it's a great job take my hat off to whoever's designed that and look forward to seeing them out on the green yeah, and congratulations to them to actually for taking that step and and stepping out of the norm and doing something different. So best of luck to the future. Yeah, well done, Stephen Robson, for doing that. Without a doubt. Yeah. Um, there's there's one last thing which has just sprung to us. One of our uh, mates from used to play at Silksworth is working in the Midlands at the minute, and he went into a bowls club in the Midlands yeah. to play a casual roll-up. We went in once, yes, fair enough. Went in twice, yeah, fair enough. Went in a third time. He was then told that he had to join the club. 
Now, okay, is that the way forward? Just, be, just before <laughs> I put my point, I was racking my brains as to who you were talking about. Yeah. And then remembered it's just the lad who I played for about 15 years yeah. with the Nationals. But I, uh, when I saw him put that comment on, I, I don't understand it. I, I just Surely you I just could, want bods on the green. My money's good as... That's my opinion. You want people to be walking off the street and be able to think they can just walk in and have a game of balls we should you know we should be a community right throughout the British yeah. Isles where you can walk into any club and say you know I play balls and and those who haven't I can understand there's a little bit of worry that somebody might go on and damage the green but you know if if, if the simple question is asked have you played before do you need any assistance before you go on why would you turn down 320 420 whatever it is to go on for an hour or two's balls yeah. whether it be 100 times a season or whether it be three times a season I just think there's an opportunity for the club there to either structure the membership level so that you can approach that person and say you do realise that if you join yeah. as a social member at £10 you'll get your green fees reduced to this yeah. and it'll save you money in the long run yeah. but to then just create that barrier and say you know allow back in just, <laughs> great. Get, get your get your cash out your wallet and join the club or you're not you're not back on the green uh, I mean they just lose the as you said just loses the opportunity he could say oh yeah I enjoy this been in three times yeah I will join but probably now he's going to say well I'm not coming back and how many of those people I mean luckily he's involved in the sport and I always say what about these people who we lose who aren't involved in That's the sport right. they come the, in to try it for the first away. time three times is not enough for anybody who hasn't played balls yeah. before to say this is something I'm going to do for the next 10 years or 20 years of my life why put that restriction on them because they will then walk out and, and my my old saying is that somebody who goes through a bad experience will tell 10 people and say, didn't bother going down there That's because right. they'll try to get the money straight out of your pocket. Or, good experience, somebody will only tell one person about it. And yeah. Unfortunately, you're going to get more negative than, than positive. So yeah. that was a frustrating one for me. I, I saw it and it, it's just another bit of a hair puller for me. It really frustrates the life out of us. But. It is what it is, mate. Um, but no, another good show, mate. Thanks everybody for listening. Absolutely, thanks Let's, again. The ambulance is waiting outside for us. Well, <laughs> yeah. the ambulance is waiting for you, mate. And a there's big a couple, nappy. big nappy for me at the minute. <laughs> <laughs> thanks very much, folks, and uh, thanks for listening. Take care. Thank you for listening, and hope you've enjoyed the show. This has been a dodgy production.